0: I'm Patrick Corelci,
1: And I'm Adriana Cortez. And we're the hosts of Red Pilled America, a new storytelling podcast.
2: Red Pilled America is not another talk show covering the day's news. We are all about telling stories. Stories Hollywood doesn't want you to hear. Stories the media mocks. Stories about everyday Americans that the elites ignore. You can think of Red Pilled America as audio documentaries. And we promise only one thing. The truth.
1: Visit the iHeartRadio app right now to listen to Red Pilled America. Oh
3: my friends stay good care of me Will I go, they bring me home But I got no place to be Oh my friends stay good care of me They give me high, they're on my side
0: As far as I can see, yeah
2: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 on Monday, July 29th We have a lot we're going to get to today. Let me set the table for us, though. First of all, Shannon's out today. (coughs) Our friend Allie Johnson has come back to sit in with us for the next couple of days.
4: Happy to be back. Uh, Wish she was under more positive circumstances. Yeah, no
2: kidding. I realize as we're putting the show together today, there's a bunch of downer stories. Um, We're going to start, as soon as they begin here, this uh, news conference up in Gilroy uh, about the shooting at the Garlic Festival last night. We have learned a few more details about what happened at the garlic festival we'll take that live when it happens the uh, looks like there are people that are lined up and ready to go uh when that comes we'll definitely break in and bring it to you a couple of other things uh that we're going to talk about today include the uh, the president and his tweets he lashed out at elijah cummings a congressman from maryland's 13th district for the conditions in the district and uh you, it's easy to trace where this came from by there are a lot of times when you when you read the president's tweets first thing in the morning, if that's a regular thing, and you go, why?
4: Oh, if it is, I feel sorry for well, you. Well, I
2: mean, a lot of people do that. So it's what a,
4: should we? Oh, no.
2: It, you know, the alarm goes off. That's the first thing you see. Uh, I, there are times when you think, what prompted him to even write? Who, why was he thinking about that, whatever it happens to be? And on Saturday, when he started writing about Elijah Cummings, it was a question of why, why is Elijah Cummings even on his radar? Well, we know, um, and I'll play for you some of the things that led up to it. Elijah Cummings was in, uh, was as chair of the oversight committee, was talking with Kevin McAleen, who heads up Immigration and Customs Enforcement about conditions at the border, and was very irate. Um, so we'll play that for you. And then there was a Fox News report Saturday morning, which is clearly r- right about the time that he started tweeting. So uh, all that stuff. It makes, makes perfect sense. We will have some fun. There are some fun things like that grasshopper infestation in Vegas as well. But let's go live to, uh, to Gilroy. looks like uh, they're just taking the podium now to start talking about what happened.
5: N-A-T-L-O-W. I am a public information officer with the South Bay Incident Management Team currently working on the garlic incident. Today we're here to talk with officials in the city of Gilroy regarding this event. First to speak will be Mayor Roland Velasco of the City of Gilroy.
6: Thank you all for being here this morning. Um, you know, one of my greatest honors in life was being elected mayor of this great community, and um, and I can tell you that the people of Gilroy are strong. We're resilient. And during the course of this uh, investigation, um, as law enforcement continues to research and investigate it, um, the Gilroy community will mourn, but we will get through it. On behalf of of the community and the Gilroy City Council, I'm speaking to you today to provide a Brief update on where we're at. Later on the agenda, you'll get additional information from our uh, public safety personnel. As you know, yesterday afternoon, the city of Gilroy endured a tragedy that a very long night—a very long night—cannot erase. Mass gun violence is an epidemic in the United States and yet one never imagined such a thing can happen here in our beautiful community it's beyond sad when or to see wonderful and charitable event like the Gilway Garlic Festival that donates tens of thousands of dollars each year to local nonprofits Um, to have an event like this happen. As I said before, we are resilient and we will get through this. This morning our prayers are with the families of those injured and killed in the senseless shooting. We stand with you and we will be providing whatever assistance we can in the days and weeks ahead. This morning, as we learn more about what occurred yesterday, I wish to commend the bravery of our law enforcement personnel who in the middle of a chaotic situation acted quickly and professionally to engage the shooter and to end the threat before more people could be injured or killed. And the chief will talk a little bit more about that. It takes remarkable bravery to run to a shooting when the natural reaction for all of us is to run away. We are so proud of our law enforcement who undoubtedly saved many lives by putting their own lives in danger. Now I also want to mention our fantastic fire department. I happened to be in the triage area when the victims started to come in and I could tell you that our fire personnel, paramedics, EMTs were there quickly triaging, prioritizing, stabilizing each of the patients and then getting them ready to transport out. Today and over the next uh, few days, I, along with the Gilway City Council, We'll be meeting and working with community leaders to assess the situation we now face in Gilroy in the wake of this shooting. We intend to come out of this horrible event in a stronger and obviously a closer community. Again, thank you for being here. Let me turn it back over. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Next to speak will be Fire Chief Jeff Klett.
7: Good morning, everybody. As the mayor said, first of all, I'd like to thank our firefighters for responding heroically to this event. This is something that we trained for, in fact, had a active shooter training with our colleagues in the police department about a year ago, and we're actually planning another one because of another unfortunate event just north of us in Morgan Hill, uh, also involving an active shooter. Luckily that we were at an event, so we had six total fire department personnel on scene when this shooting occurred, two on an engine in the park, two on bike teams, and two that were in an ambulance inside the park. So we were able to respond quickly to the situation when the shooting occurred. We had 12 EMS public and private uh, personnel also on scene, an EMT contract, and a public ambulance company there as well. The initial dispatch occurred at 1742 hours. We sent four engines, and for note, we only have three engines in the city of Gilroy, so we sent all of our resources, as well as our South County neighbors. Two additional battalion chiefs, and then requested 16 local mutual aid engines to respond down here as well. Our Gilroy uh, battalion chief assumed a command at 1745 hours, along with the first arriving fire engine that was dispatched from outside of the Garlic Festival event. We had a total of six ground ambulances and two uh, supervisors from the county. We had three air ambulances, and we did a total of 16, there were 16 total transports, 13 of which were done by the fire department uh, and the EMS agency. Three of those, again, were air ambulances. And eight ground ambulances. And I will leave it to the police department to talk about the actual state of the deceased in this event. Thank you.
5: Next to speak to you, Police Chief Scott Smithy.
8: So I'll reiterate. what i said at the press conference last night and i've got a few additional details and then we'll also be planning an additional update because uh, i plan on having more information uh, now that daylight's here and we're getting fresh resources in uh, so we'll try to put something together for you for later this afternoon uh, we've got the date and time established already and, and as most of you know the gilroy garlic festival is an event that we put on every year uh, and we typically host between 80 and 100,000 people uh, to our festival. It takes several thousand people a day volunteering to make this festival work. Uh, and so, at the time that the incident occurred, you know, it was near the end of the final day, it was last night, Sunday. Uh, questions that were asked you know regarding the security and and the way that we manage and monitor it from a law enforcement and public safety perspective is that we have police personnel on site the entire time of the festival we actually create a police compound where we have a command center uh, a booking area you know all the things that you would need to uh, run a major operation like this the officers are deployed throughout the park and they're assigned to different regions of the park so they're spread out we don't have officers all in one spot uh... when this call came in the uh... shots being fired uh... the closest team of officers responded immediately uh... they were there and engaging the suspect in less than a minute um, the suspect was armed with a assault type rifle and He, as soon as he saw the officers, he engaged the officers and fired at the officers with that rifle. Uh, And I had three officers that engaged the suspect. Uh, And despite the fact that they were outgunned with their handguns against a rifle, uh, those three officers were able to fatally wound that suspect. And uh, the event ended very quickly. Of course, then we had the aftermath of dealing with the Uh, victims in in the EMS side of things. We put out a call for help. We had over 20 agencies, um, federal, state, county and local agencies uh, from all over that responded people down into our park. Uh, and It was just incredible to see the cooperation and how quickly they put this together and how quickly they were able to render aid to people. I can't tell you how proud I am of the officers for being able to engage this guy as quickly as they did, because we had thousands of people there in a very small area, and, you know, it could have gone so much worse so, so fast, and so I'm really proud that they got there as quickly as they did and that they were successful in, in taking the threat uh, out of the equation. We do have um, three people deceased, confirmed deceased. We have one was a six-year-old, a six-year-old male victim. We also had a 13-year-old female victim, and then we had uh, another male victim in his 20s. We don't have a motive for the shooting as yet. We did have reports of a potential second suspect. We don't have any confirmation that any second suspect did any shooting, um, but we certainly are investigating all leads to try to determine uh, who that potential second suspect is and what exactly that person's role was. We found out, uh, you know, some of the federal agencies helping us out. We found out that the rifle that this suspect used was an SKS. It was an AK-47 type assault rifle. Uh, It was purchased legally in the state of Nevada on July the 9th of this year. And reports have been going out of potential suspect and I will confirm that the suspect is the person uh, that several news media have been inquiring about, Santino William Logan, who was 19 years old. I uh, and I say that name with some hesitation because I don't believe that somebody like this deserves the notoriety of the recognition. But I also understand that you all, you know, want to have some confirmation of that. I think the last thing I'll say before I I turn it over, um, I want to thank all of the agencies and all of the people that came to help. Uh, I I don't even know how many people, but there was a lot. Uh, And when we put out the call for help, they came. Uh, Because it's such a large crime scene, the FBI has come in uh, and offered some assistance, and we've accepted that assistance because of the size of the area that we need to cover. And so before we open it up for questions, I'm going to have them come up and talk a little bit about their role and how they're helping us. We're listening to a news conference out of
2: Gilroy, an update on the shooting at the Garlic Festival from last night. Six-year-old kid, 13-year-old girl, and a man in his 20s were the three people who were killed.
9: Craig Fair. Thank you. Uh, My name is Craig Fair. I'm, I'm the deputy special agent in charge of the San Francisco division of the FBI. First off, I'd like to express my condolences to the city of Gilroy and to the family, friends, and victims of this absolutely heinous act. The FBI's principal role is assisting the city and police department of Gilroy in the investigation. Our preeminent and principal concern at this point is motivation, ideological leanings, Was he affiliated with anyone or any group? That still has to be ruled out. still has to be determined at this point. And we are supporting Gilroy Police Department in making those determinations. Our evidence recovery team, um, it's a sizable team. We have about 30 individuals out there right now collecting evidence. As we find evidence, as we flag it, as we mark it and map it, we're determining that the crime scene is much more expansive than what we originally thought, and it amounts to many, many, many acres. Uh, We appreciate the public's patience as we process this. It's done very slowly. It's done very methodically, and it's done for a reason, should we have to use that evidence in prosecution later on. I'd also like to thank the first responders. Um, As the mayor cited in their heroism, um, the FBI personnel who work tirelessly throughout the evening and will do so for the next several days, uh, our partnership with the Gilroy Police Department and the city of Gilroy as we move through this crisis, and members of the general public who are offering continue to send in tips, photos, and assist with the investigation. Thank you.
5: We will now take a few questions. I ask that you direct your questions to me, and we will put them to the correct person. I saw that hand go up first. Thank
0: you. Probably for the chief, but you talked about the potential of another suspect. Do you believe there's somebody else out there, or is there the potential that that was those were erroneous reports and that they thought they saw somebody who might not
8: there? You know, we really don't know. I we've gotten multiple reports that there may have been another person with him that they ran this way or they ran that way but different people give different versions so we just we really don't know at this point i saw this hand go up next um, will you be
3: able to identify
8: the victims at this point we, we are not identifying the victims at this point um, Typically, that's something that we leave up to the county coroner's office to make sure that all their notifications are done uh, before that's released.
5: The gentleman and
3: Josh, two questions for you. Had your officers not active quicker, would there have been more bloodshed? And would those officers more body
8: So the answer to the first question is there absolutely would have been more bloodshed, I believe. Uh, with the number of people in the in the small area that they were in um, I think it's very very fortunate that they were able to engage him as quickly as they did and then the second part of the question is we do, our officers do wear body cameras um, which who was at the moment that this happened and who's had them on or would, I, I don't have that information yet but we will get that as we move forward in the investigation.
5: Gentleman with the mustache. Chief, could you give us a
7: rough idea, sort of a laundry list of the type of evidence you were trying to gather? Because I know you want to try to find out what the motivation was. What type of things are you and other law enforcement agencies trying to gather that helped try to figure out what triggered all this?
8: Well, there's a number of different aspects of an investigation like this, and we have partners from all different agencies. So, you know, whether it's information concerning the suspect, whether it's information concerning this potential second person, uh, there's a very, very large crime scene that needs to be processed uh, diligently. There's all kinds of background information uh, that we need to process. Um, It's going to be a very prolonged and complicated Process for us. Can you give us though as a follow-up,
1: can you give
5: us
7: some idea of things you're looking at? I'm guessing maybe computers, uh, the types of people you're talking to, try to learn more about them.
8: Yeah, I, I, I am not comfortable at this point because I don't have enough of a detail of that level of briefing to comment on that. I may be able to do that later today.
5: The gentleman with blue shirt under the TV set.
8: Yeah of
5: request
8: media during Um I am not ready to comment on that yet. I don't have that level of detail either. Are you
5: familiar with him? I and mean, when we were told he was from Dilly, did he have a record along those And also, is he the one who purchased the Delingually or
8: the back of As far as his local background, again, I'm not ready to comment on that. Uh, my understanding that he is the one that purchased the weapon in Nevada. Um, it's, we've seen that he
6: had moved to Nevada. Can you confirm if he was uh, living in Nevada?
4: Do you know brought him there? And then how, how long had he been back in California before this incident
8: happened? I don't have that information yet. I think he was living with family members, but he's from, originally from Gilroy. I I don't yet know how long he was in Nevada or how long he'd been back.
5: One last question. Mm-hmm. Many
9: people have to rush away, obviously, from the care ground. What you people who are maybe wanting to determine And then the
5: second question is, since this is an ongoing investigation, how secure is the care in the care Chief,
8: would you like to address that? Yeah, well, I would say that it's very secure. We have quite a large number of personnel out uh, establishing a perimeter around the area because we have to do the evidence processing uh, there are people that um, were at the festival that literally ran away and left their belongings and we have vehicles and there's vendor tents and whatnot I uh, we can't allow them back in until we finished with the evidence processing portion of this uh, so we have a uh, a team that's set up to help assist those people to provide some support until we can get them back to their belongings.
2: All right, you've been listening to this uh, news conference. That was uh, Gilroy Police Chief Scott Smithy handling most of those questions about the shooting last night at the Garlic Festival. Again, three people killed, and he identified them as a 6-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, and a guy in his 20s who was uh, who were all killed. And then the suspect in the shooting he named him. We don't need to, but it was a 19-year-old kid from Gilroy who I guess at some point had moved to Nevada, and he said that the gun that was uh, used was purchased in Nevada. We'll come back. We'll talk more about what it is that we learned from this news conference today, uh, a little bit about some of the, the details and some of the things they have not yet said, but the chief said they're going to have a news conference a little bit later today. All right. Gary and Shannon.
4: Look, I don't mean to frustrate, but I always make the same mistakes. Yeah, I always make the same mistakes Chris. For
0: trying
2: you know i will be lying saying gary and shannon kfi am 640 shannon's out today alec johnson is in we uh, at the top of next hour we're going to update you on the shooting of an off-duty lapd officer from over the weekend in lincoln heights still no arrest yet in the shooting of juan diaz talk about that I didn't
4: realize that he was off-duty Yeah,
2: when that happened. Just Terrible. hanging out. I think he was with his girlfriend and her brothers, I guess.
4: Just hanging out, having tacos at a taco stand. Yeah.
2: Uh, so we'll talk about that. Andrew Molovac is going to join us. There's also a, a story out of City Hall where the mayor's office has confirmed that there was a data breach of some kind that uh, ended up with limited information about L.A. job applicants, specifically people who were applying to be police officers and how their information was stolen. We'll talk about that coming up. And, of course, the president uh, and his uh, tweets against Elijah Cummings and now Al Sharpton as well. We'll talk about what prompted all of that in just a few minutes. But we just wrapped up this news conference out of Gilroy where the mayor and the uh, fire chief and the police chief all got up there and spent several minutes uh, thanking, of course, the first responders for what it is that uh, that they did, which was react- the way you would want them to.
4: Yeah, and it was, I guess, fortunate that, you know, you're at, I mean, Gilroy's a very small town. I mean, it's it's large, but there are not a lot of people in it. So this, I mean, I've been to the Gilroy Garlic Festival. This is close to where I grew up, and having the Gilmore garlic festival is sort of like the super bowl for them i mean it's a huge huge event and so there were a lot of resources there already it's very fortunate that they were able to react as quickly as they did i mean i didn't realize that within a minute they were already engaging with this guy and to think about what could have happened if that wasn't the case Yeah,
2: and if there's if there's thousands of people i don't remember what the number was in terms of how many were there at them at the time it was going to wrap up by six o'clock i think is what they were saying so for the most part it was probably dwindling they weren't at their peak in terms of the number of people that were on the grounds there but the idea that you would have thousands of people there probably dozens of if not a couple dozen maybe uh police officers and security they were all over the place and the, the they didn't mention this in the news conference but there are a couple of different places reporting that this guy was able to get into the grounds with the gun because he went through you know uh through the a creek that was nearby and cut his way through a fence and just sort of appeared as opposed to going through the metal detectors in the first place and and hiding his gun there's no way he would have been able to get in
4: right and i I didn't realize that it was such a a a procedure to get into the Garlic Festival. I knew there were security checkpoints, but I didn't realize there were metal detectors. Well, when's
2: the last time that was the thing? Because I I was there, but I was there years ago. I was trying to remember. It was it was before I got married, and I've been married for 21 years, so 23, 25 years ago, something. Which this this that world 25 years ago is nothing like it is today.
4: Garlic ice cream was probably just coming out when you went.
2: Oh, my wife. It was so hot that day that we went. She tried garlic ice cream to cool down. It was uh, the car smelled funny on the way home. Right, uh, but but the it's the, worth it though. Uh, the idea that there were three people killed, there could have been a whole lot more, which is an amazing number. I mean, three sucks. Sucks that it was a six-year-old boy, thirteen-year-old girl, and a man in his twenties. But think about it: if if the officers had not responded within the minute that they did. This could have been much worse. The the chief said something that I that struck me as not entirely true. He said that they were outgunned by this guy. Now, oh that it was 3 to 1, right? It was 3 to 1. The guy's weapon, if it was an AK-47 varietal. Uh yeah, I mean, you could argue that he has a larger caliber bullets coming out of there at a higher velocity, but he's a 19-year-old kid who's whose experience probably doesn't extend much outside of Fortnite or you know you know Medal of Honor whatever game he's playing
4: right and it seems that he was firing randomly and aimlessly at people and in these situations like i mean when the fire chief said we had active shooter training and we're planning another one people right. are getting more uh they're getting more uh, training with these scenarios because they're unfortunately happening more and happening more often so yes it would be three against one and maybe they only had handguns and he had an assault rifle but they also have the training they
2: also have the tactics and the training and they know what to do uh and they're not shying away from it um, Right. And I I don't know what his reaction is once the thing is, once the majority of of people in these situations who are shooters, once they get shot at their their idea changes and they realize that they then are running the risk of being killed and their attitude changes. And a lot of times their tactics change because they're freaking out as anybody would. Oh, it's pandemonium. I can't
4: imagine. I mean, of course, the fear that an active shooter is there in the first place, but also to be trying to sift through giant crowds of people in order to find a safe place. I mean, there must be a million things going through your head at that
2: point. There is a a, a lot of homework that's going to be done, a lot of digging into this guy's past and social media. There's not a lot out there in terms of a social media footprint for this guy. He did have an Instagram account, but it had like three posts on it. Um, there was some reference to a book written in 1890 called might is right by Ragnar Redbeard which is a fake name and nobody really knows who who wrote this thing but it was all about survival of the fittest some people have said that it's a white supremacist screed etc just well, just a just a side note to all of this if you have to use an AK47 to prove your might you're not doing it right
4: exactly yeah and you know i know that they are trying to find a motive behind all of this and they're trying to see if there are connections to those lar- larger groups like or a connection to white supremacy and uh, things like that but i it seems that there was a witness that heard somebody shouting why are you doing this and the person responded because i'm really angry so it also could be completely personal Just a personal, you know, emotional problem. I mean, this guy obviously had it seems like he came from a notable family in Gilroy as well and that his siblings were prominent in the community and
2: And his father and his grandfather. That's the thing that I think is going to be what we find out in the next few hours. Right. Is one now that his name is out there, people in the community are going to go, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that guy from he's only 19. So he just graduated from Gilroy High School recently. So there are going to be people who who recognize him, and we're going. Unfortunately, we're going to get some of the same messages that we see all the time. Oh yeah, he always was a freak. He always loved. He was a loner. He always a loner. Always was angry about something.
4: There were warning signs, and yeah. then you go over what the warning signs were and how this could have been prevented. How was he able to buy an assault rifle? All of those things.
2: All right. Um, the chief, uh, the police chief, there did say they are going to hold a news conference a little bit later in the day as well. So, uh, we'll probably carry that when we get into that. When we come back, the other big story over the weekend that has continued into today is the president tweeting once again. We'll explain this whole process of how he came up with Elijah Cummings as his latest target. Gary and Shannon will continue. Allie Johnson sitting in for Shannon today. this uh, Monday, July 29th. Valley Johnson is in for Shannon today and tomorrow. Uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to give you more information on the shooting of an LAPD officer, an off-duty LAPD officer in Lincoln Heights from uh, from over the weekend. Still no arrests in that case. Also, we uh, we heard the news conference just a few minutes ago, as a matter of fact, about the latest in the Garlic Festival shooting up in Gilroy, and the, uh, the fire chief Sorry, the police chief announced that there were three people who were killed, including the shooter uh, sorry, not including the shooter. The three people were a man in his twenties, a six year old boy and a thirteen year old girl
4: yeah, and I'm wondering because I know that the name of the six year old boy has been released also because they spoke to the father recently, but mm-hmm. there are the names of the other two have not yet been released, according to my knowledge.
2: I don't know how much of that has to do with the family preferring not to have it released because right. they would be notified by now. It would be really unusual if they weren't, but usually it's the uh, the coroner's office or the sheriff's department that would handle that. The other big story of the weekend was the series of tweets that the president put out going after Elijah Cummings. And when I saw those on Saturday morning, like I said, you know, they add sugar to my corn pops. That's, that's how I start my day. <laughs> Um, Some really sour
4: sugar. I think that sugar's
2: expired. Too much. There's ants in it. It's weird. Um, It's uh, the question was, where did this come? Why did Elijah Cummings all of a sudden come up? Now, he's a very prominent congressman. I think he's in his like 13th term in Congress. No, he's
4: been there there a long time.
2: 20 years, 23 years, I think. So it's um, it's not like he's an unknown. And the president would clearly know who he is because he is an outspoken member of Congress who is a high-ranking and, I think, chairman of the Oversight Committee, right. which has been one of the committees that's been going after the president uh, pretty mercilessly. Uh, but
4: So he would theoretically have a bone to pick with him just based on that.
2: He would. But it didn't make sense. There was nothing that rose to the level of, uh, gosh, I, didn't, I don't feel like Elijah Cummings punched at the president and he had to punch back.
4: But it seems uh, that he does these things to stoke a fire i well, mean they, at least that's what happens with the, the whole squad thing and how that unraveled i mean it, it was and then was that racist let's all talk about if this was racist or not are you racist no you're racist and passing the
2: buck around and, and then, then, then na- and by the way calling somebody racist used to end the conversation because there was no right. there was no comeback for that there was no well no i'm you you're the i'm not the you're the one no You're a racist. (laughs) Well, okay, so I trace this thing back. Elijah Cummings, as head of the Oversight Committee, got into an argument in one of his committee hearings with uh, Kevin McAleenan, who is in charge of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, speaking about the conditions on the border. Just a part of it from uh, a week and a half ago. You
0: feel like you're doing a great job, right? Is that what you're saying? We're doing our level best in a very What does that mean? What does that mean when a child is sitting in their own feces? Can't take a shower.
8: Come on,
2: man. Now, that was that was the highlight of that. I mean, it went on for a few more minutes and made uh, Kevin and pretty uncomfortable. Then on Saturday morning, Fox News put together a report with a, um, a woman named Kim Classic, who is also a politician from the Baltimore area, uh, a Republican, who talked about the conditions in Elijah Cummings' district compared to what's going on at the border.
10: The city lined with abandoned buildings and trash on the streets. Our next guest is a Maryland resident who took these videos to see what it's really like. Joining us now with more Republican strategist, Kimberly Clayset. Kimberly, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So what did you find was going on in uh, Cummings' district? Yeah, so, you know, there is a crisis at the border, but there's also a crisis in Baltimore. And I don't think many people realize this, but Congressman Cummings, it represents the most dangerous district in America. So I went into the district to basically ask people if they were scared of Trump. Uh, Congressman Cummings said on a talk show on last Sunday, I believe, that his constituents were afraid of Trump. And as I go in and I start talking to people, I realize just what the living conditions are for not just the residents, but even the children there.
9: Now
2: here in LA we've seen the pictures of skid row, the trash, the tents, the rats, the infestation. Sure. I mean those are the those pictures are echoed in what they were showing on Fox on Saturday morning. Well, That's what prompted the president's tweets. That's what rose to the level of of invigorating him I guess to take to the Twitterverse.
4: And I mean be calling Baltimore a disgusting rat and rodent infested mess. Okay. I mean I do believe that this also calls back to some of the shots that were fired at Chicago when i mean it's it's like taking a city that is any major city has its problems and saying oh this is why like this is your district this is your problem this is because of you that you can't keep yeah, your
2: city in order and it doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense because the the conditions in Elijah Cummings district are not because of Elijah Cummings yes there's one thing to be said about the people in the neighborhood there are plenty of other interviews of people who say what has Elijah Cummings done for us? Like, well, I'm not afraid of Donald Trump. I want Elijah Cummings to do his job, but there's there's got to be there's got to be a recognition of of the the responsibilities of a member of Congress versus I don't know a city councilman or uh, somebody who is working at closer to the level that needs to be uh, or the level of problem that needs to be addressed. If it's trash in the streets, if it's Uh, If it's the the levels of crime, if it's whatever it happens to be, they've all got different responsibilities and different uh, things that they're going to be able to do. Then Donald Trump goes, he gets fired back upon yesterday by a bunch of different people saying it's racist for him to say this. It's it's horrible for him to put Elijah Cummings on blast for all of this.
4: And then his response was the, I know you are, but what am I defense? Right.
2: I'm not racist. You're racist. No,
4: you. (laughs) And
2: then then he he went after Al Sharpton today. He says, I've known Al for 25 years, went to fights with him and Don King and always got along well, I guess. I don't know if he was referring to Don King or Al Sharpton at that point. And he says he loved Trump, would ask me for favors often. Al is a con man, a troublemaker, always looking for a score, just doing his thing. Must have intimidated Comcast and NBC. Hates whites and cops. Here's what Al Sharpton said.
7: He attacks everybody. I know Donald Trump. He's not mature enough to take criticism. He can't help it. He's like a child. Somebody say something, he react. If he really thought I was a con man, he'd be nominating me for his
2: cabinet. (laughs) Uh, The president talks a lot about his approval ratings and uh, the smallest upticks of his approval ratings. He always announces on Twitter. He'll
4: he'll capitalize on that any chance he gets.
2: But he doesn't see that he suppresses his own approval rating by doing stuff like this.
4: Yeah. I mean, again, I think it goes back to stoking that fire. It gets people all up in a flurry. He thinks that it just kicks up a bunch of dirt. And I just imagine him writing these tweets and going, "Okay, he loved Trump. Do-do-do. Al is a con man of trouble. Okay, hold on. I've got, what, 15 more characters I can use. Uh, hate, hates whites and cops. Well, we'll, we'll finish it out that Isn't way. Tweet and done.
2: And then somebody in the White House goes, oh, oh no. boy. Did you just see what he wrote?
4: How many conversations do you think have been had about taking away his Twitter privileges oh, completely?
2: Oh, those people don't work there anymore
4: if <laughs> those all conversations been ever out.
2: took yes they they were weeded out uh, all right another a uh, bad story out of LA it turns out an uh, off-duty LAPD officer was shot and killed over the weekend apparently just uh, confronting some people who wanted to spray paint their gang sign uh, near a taco stand we'll talk about that when we come back Allie Johnson's in for Shannon today on the Gary and Shannon show
6: well, I don't know what I don't know so
2: Shannon KFI AM six forty. Shannon's out today. Tomorrow, Allie Johnson is with us. You can follow her on Twitter. at YourAllieJohnson. Johnson. I don't think she's sick, but I like to sneeze anyway. You can follow. She's probably
4: sneezing somewhere.
2: At your Johnson on Twitter. Um, gee, we're gonna have to talk about your show too.
10: My we didn't show. talked
2: last week about last time about the TV show. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's coming right along.
2: Um, we have been telling you about the Garlic Festival shooting from yesterday. There was a news conference, and we'll talk more about it at the to- at the bottom of the hour. Um, but one of the th- things I wanted to talk about is, why, why is it okay all of a sudden to interview kids about seeing a mass shooting?
4: That was one of my first thoughts, too, because I was looking, you know, like you do. You see these notifications, and then you try and get more information, and you see witness accounts and things like that. And to have this 7-year-old being interviewed about... A shooting that took place the day before. I mean, this is obviously a an event for that's geared towards families. There's a lot of kids around. I mean, t- kids were two two out of the three uh, deceased victims. Yeah. And then to go to a seven year old and say, oh, "Oh, hi. I know that you've just experienced this horribly traumatic event that's going to change your entire perception of your reality. Uh, will you just tell us exactly what you were feeling when you heard these? Sh- so, what exactly happened? I want
2: to add a couple of years to your therapy bills, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, Just remember
4: my name so you can give it to your therapist.
2: later. We'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. President has announced that the director of national intelligence is out of a job. Dan Coats is on his way out. He is going to nominate Texas uh, Congressman John Ratcliffe, uh, spent time as a U.S. attorney chief of anti-terror for the Department of Justice. Dan Coats has been very outspoken about Russian involvement in the election in 2016, and that has rubbed the president the wrong way. Because he does not like to talk about Russian involvement uh, because there is a potential that that means that or adds some amount of illegitimacy to his presidency. And he does not want that to be the case. So Dan Coats is going to be looking for a new job.
4: Well, he lasted two years.
2: Yeah, well, it's longer than a lot of people have <laughs> right, in the administration. Exactly.
4: And it's been, I think, almost two weeks since he fired someone else. So it's, Get, it's about getting, overdue.
2: Getting itchy. Yeah. We saw this horrible story over the weekend as well. There was an off duty LAPD officer, a young off duty officer, who was with his uh, girlfriend and her two brothers in Lincoln Heights, and he was shot and killed. Andrew Molenbeek has been uh, covering this story for us. And Andrew, could you give us some of the details of what happened just after midnight Saturday?
1: Yeah, sure. And the officer's name, he's 24 years old, his name is Juan Diaz. He'd been with the LAPD for a couple of years working in the special operations division. And anyway, uh, Friday night into Saturday, he goes out to a taco stand in Lincoln Heights. For those who don't know, that's sort of in the area where the 5 and 110 freeways intersect right there. Uh, He's out with some friends. So he's with his girlfriend and her two brothers uh, just out for a late night of tacos. And while they're out there, He sees someone trying to write graffiti tag a wall, and he steps up and he tries to stop this man from doing it. The man apparently leaves and returns sometime later while the group is still in this area of the taco stand. Uh, So the guy comes back with uh, some other people who are suspected gang members. One of them lifts his shirt to show a gun, and he eventually shoots Officer Diaz and one of the brothers who is also with him Diaz was killed right there the brother of his girlfriend did survive but uh, was all right now the search is for who did this and sort of interestingly there is no sketch that's been released there's no name there is no description that has been released so far police say they suspect that gang members are involved but beyond that we don't have any information. No. Uh, height or weight or description to work from. And so that's where we are, that police are trying to find anybody who's willing to speak. And oftentimes, as we know, in these cases, uh, people are hesitant to say who they know or who they might know uh, is involved in this. But it it seems to be related to uh, Diaz trying to tell at least one guy to stop tagging a wall. Another thing that's not clear is whether the shooter or the people who were involved had any idea that he was actually an LAPD officer. Again, he's off-duty at this time. He's not wearing anything that would suggest he's a police officer. He was just trying to stop people from tagging the neighborhood. And apparently that was enough to set off this group. And also, apparently, at least one person in this group said this is our territory, sort of a, this is our gang territory. We can do what we want here, uh, being the implication. So that's kind of what we're working with at this point. Now just trying to find out who did this and get a description of this person.
2: Uh, any potential pictures of this person? I mean, was were there cameras anywhere nearby?
1: We haven't heard anything about surveillance. And again, this is just kind of, kind of one of those taco stands that's open late at night. Uh, this happened after midnight, so early, early Saturday morning. And we haven't heard anything from police about what kind of information, surveillance from the the area, even if there isn't, of course, surveillance right around the taco stand itself. As we all know, businesses in the area, whether a gas station or something like that, may have cameras on the corners that uh, police could get information from that to at least try to identify a vehicle that may have been involved. But you know, they could have walked up as well. It's, it's really hard to tell at this point. So, yeah, we're a couple of days in, and we don't even have a description to work from. Meantime, uh, this young officer who's 24 years old uh, has been killed. His family members have talked about, you know, he grew up in a kind of a tough part of town where there was a lot of gang activity, and they say from the time that he was a kid, even all the way back to preschool, all he wanted to do was to be a police officer And at least in in the description of what we've heard so far from this incident, he was trying to be a, a good guy, even off duty here, trying to protect the neighborhood from getting tagged in the middle of the night. And it may be for that reason that he was targeted by alleged gang members trying to say, this is our territory, we'll do what we want.
4: And this seems like an area where there is regular gang activity, but he was living in this area. He lived nearby and was trying to help out his own community when he walked up to these taggers.
1: And that's one of the things that police officers have said about him, that he grew up in the area surrounded by gang members, and he chose to avoid that his entire life, and in fact wanted to be a law enforcement officer to kind of counter all that, that he never got involved i'm sure the opportunities presented themselves from the description of lapd officers saying that yet they were all around him but he never joined them and he wanted to be an officer and that it is gang members that are in the area that allegedly killed him and again this is all over painting graffiti on a wall
2: an odd bit of timing here the the police chief happens to be out of the country is he back did he come back for this at all
1: I don't know if he's back. He sent out a, a note and a tweet when he found out about it. This was a planned vacation that he had. Of course, uh, the mayor put out a statement as well. But, yeah, the summertime, the chief is out. Uh, the Protective League representing the police officers has had a, a bit to say as well about what this officer meant uh, to the department. Again, kind of sharing his story that, you know, he'd only been with the force for a couple of years and trying to step up and be a good citizen even in the middle of the night when he's off duty and and this is what happens again 24 had only been with the LAPD for a couple of years Andrew thank you appreciate it yeah you got it
2: Andrew Mollenbeck there with the latest and again uh, the officer Juan Diaz killed early Saturday morning and when we get information about the uh, the funeral and services and things like that we'll uh, we'll let you know when we come back, though, there is a, a data breach from City Hall. The mayor has uh, admitted that, in fact, there was a bunch of information stolen about LAPD officers. We'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. The songs
9: on the radio are okay. But my taste in music is your face. And it takes a song to come around to show.
3: Kerry and Shannon.
2: Allie Johnson's in for uh, for Shannon today. We've been talking about many things. The president's tweets about Elijah Cummings in Baltimore. Michael Steele, who is a former lieutenant governor for Maryland, was also um, chair of the Republican National Committee, has, uh, has said, listen, whatever the president's going to say is not going to stick to the people of Baltimore. It doesn't really affect them. But extended an invitation for the president to meet him and come on walk, over walk the streets of baltimore
4: and what i mean if we're if we're taking jabs at cities for being infested with rodents aren't all major cities infested with rodents yeah,
2: everybody's got everybody's got bad like parts of town. new york
4: covered in rodents
2: burbank has a horrible problem right
4: and then vegas has grasshoppers oh my everywhere. gosh
2: we'll talk about that story as well later this hour the, did you see the pictures of the the
4: Yes, they're they're horrifying because it goes eventually when there's this an insect. I mean, seeing those headlines that are like spiders are covering this one town in Australia. Like, well, that's horrifying. That's nightmare news.
2: But that's also Australia.
4: Right. But you expect it from Australia. You don't expect it in Vegas and you don't expect (laughs) it to be grasshoppers. And then to, to have so much of one thing that you normally aren't that afraid of, but in in that mass amount of numbers, it is terrifying. Like, any insect would or, be terrifying. Or
2: frogs, too. Yeah. Fro- I mean, think about frogs when you have to drive. Never mind. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the mayor's office, L.A. City mayor's office, has announced that there was a data breach that involved some information contained within the personnel department's candidate applicant program. Uh, they said information of about 2,500 LAPD officers. By the way, I'm doing them. That's a quarter of the department.
4: Yeah, that didn't seem like a high number to me.
2: Um, approximately 17,500 officer applicants. And all of that information was stolen in a uh, in a data held by the city's personnel department. Now, they did notify everybody over the weekend. An email message went out. Said the department learned of this data breach. Some of your information... The compromised data would include officers' names, their date of birth, part of their employee serial number, uh, the email address and the password they set up when they applied for the job, according to the message, and additional personal information may have been compromised.
4: I think that when you can see somebody's password, that's really a glimpse into their personal life. You could tell a lot about a person just based on their password. And
2: what words they use.
4: Yeah, if somebody's applying to be a police officer and their password is doobiebro24, yeah, you learn a lot about that person probably through that shouldn't process.
2: Have, shouldn't have passed the psych evaluation at that
4: point. <laughs> right, or to see why some of these people were not accepted.
2: Well, and that unfortunately, that password could also give whoever it was that stole it, depending on how much homework they want to do, probably more information for someone to fill out you sort of fill out the details of, of each of these officers. The, the the officers have been told, if they did get this email, they've been told to monitor their personal financial accounts, get copies of credit reports, file complaints with the Federal Trade Commission as well. The city at this point has not said how, how this happened. Uh, and they have not yet said that if they were going to provide credit monitoring services, uh, free services to these uh, to these officers so that they can keep an eye on this, even though it was their fault. it was the city 's fault that this happened
4: but I wonder what the this hacker or whoever did this is trying to get out of this. What are they trying to expose through doing something like this
2: well the the good news is I would say immediately the good news is this wasn 't personal information like home addresses of these people but but again but if you have a, lot a password of to email right you could potentially get that stuff and that's the scarier part of it but you'd have to you would have to put a little bit of legwork in to get to that deep, kind, yeah right. to do the homework to get the information out of there so thankful I mean you think about it at least it's just financial information as weird as that sounds even though I know that that can be a nightmare as well
4: but I mean, if you are, I mean, I know when my stepbrother went through the process of trying to become a police officer, there was a very hefty background check. There was a lot of personal information that I, I did an interview with them. A lot of our family members did. And they uncover a lot of personal things about your past and your present. So all of that goes into some kind of a file. Right. So if you have access to email address, password, and all this stuff, you, like you said, if you do dig deep down, you can find a lot about one person based on that.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, The city's got to step up here, and they got to make sure that that stuff... they got to make sure it doesn't happen again, but they've also got to make sure that these officers are uh, taken care of. Uh, Coming back, we're going to give you an update on the uh, Gilroy Garlic Festival. And more along these lines, what is going through the mind of a reporter who is speaking to a 7-year-old who just witnessed a shooting? And second, what do you say to the father who just lost their 6-year-old boy? in that shooting. when
4: you go up to them in the hospital parking
2: lot just an odd set of circumstances that i think reporters newsrooms they need to be a little bit more responsible here All right, Allie Johnson sitting in for Shannon. Gary and Shannon will
1: continue in just a moment. Home, where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766 to receive any advertised product you might Must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender.
2: Shannon kfi am 640 on this monday july 29th top of the hour we do trending stories we'll get into what's going on around social media one of those stories of course is the uh, the president going after baltimore and elijah cummings and now going after al sharpton as well we'll talk about that in uh, in trending and also in swamp watch also the uh, LAPD officer, the off-duty LAPD officer who was uh, shot and killed early Saturday morning. He was at a taco stand with his girlfriend and her brothers when he tried to prevent a couple people, told a couple people to stop spray painting. They claimed that they were members of the Avenues gang and uh, ended up shooting the officer and uh, his girlfriend's brother. The officer was killed. The brother is in the hospital. Um... The story out of Gilroy from last night, we started the show with an update out of Gilroy from the uh, news conference that explained that there were three people who were killed, a six-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, and a man in his 20s were the three people who were killed. The 19-year-old shooter was taken down by police pretty quickly.
4: But they do think that there might be somebody else involved, which baffles me because it doesn't, I mean, it he, they weren't very specific in the press conference as to how they got information that they thought somebody else might be involved. But it seems like just a precaution that they're investigating as much as possible to see if that's.
2: And I, I think I think my gut reaction to that is we've seen that before in mass shooting situations like this, where you have hundreds of people running in a 100 different directions. And then the police start shooting as well, that people start to they can't keep in mind where they are and who's shooting and ain't nobody going to turn around to look and go, wait, did I get that right? Was there two or just, they're just going to take off. Right. Um, so I don't think there's a second person, but but police have to make sure that there's not a second person out there. And the area around the garlic festival itself, is pretty rural. I mean, we're talking oh, about yeah. there's some, it's some farmland, deep woodsy areas that somebody could potentially you know, hide it, and that—that's how the guy got in in the first place. Was he made his way through a creek, cut into a fence, and came through that way? He was able to hide that much, so, so there is a potential that there, cause there could be somebody else out
4: there. Right. I mean, but it does make me think that it was relatively planned. If he was casing out the area and finding out how he could get into the festival by cutting through this fence,
2: There's and- also one of his Instagram posts was a picture from the Garlic Festival. And it was something about, you know, oh, that sounds like fun. Let's go spend more money than we have on stuff that's going to make us sick or something like that. (laughs) So I don't know why he would choose that one, except if he grew up in Gilroy, like you were saying earlier, that's the biggest thing in town. It
4: is. Yeah. And they, they plan all year for it. And so, I mean, if he has that much anger in his heart and he needs to take it out on some, I mean, to go to. a, But then these places are like I said they're family events this is an event for families and it's it's terrible that we have to think of these big events in a from a scary precaution like we take target. precaution yeah it's when we go to these big things I was in the mall the other day and I saw a a group of teenagers and there was a teenager that was hiding behind a, a post like a like a yeah like a, just big one column. of yeah one of those big columns and he must have been playing some game with the other teens but he it struck me for a moment and i was like looking him up and down going does this guy have a weapon what what is going on here like it, it, and it's terrible that those thoughts come up now where they didn't before but no. anytime you're in a big public area now you have you you're on high alert you have these things that come into your mind that didn't before
2: the uh, the six-year-old who died was identified by members of his family as Stephen Romero. He was there with his mother and grandmother. They were both hit, and they were both in the hospital. Stephen was killed. And the uh, Stephen's mother was able to call Dad while she was holding her son. She had been shot in the stomach to call to tell him that Stephen had been hit. And... One of the reporters in the area was able to catch up with this guy, and I have a I have a little bit of backstory as well that I found out since then about this interview. But this is Stephen. Remember again, the father of the six year old who was killed in the parking lot of the hospital where he had found out that his six year old was killed, and he gave this interview.
9: Tell me what she said again. She said that they shot my son and they took him from her, like the officer.
10: And, and she, so she was shot in the stomach at the time?
9: Shot in the stomach and hand.
10: What did you think when she told you this?
9: I couldn't
6: believe what was happening. That what she was saying was a lie. Maybe I was dreaming.
10: So you raced over where? Where did you go?
6: I went, see, I was on the way to Gilmore Gardens. When I called the Kaiser, Kaiser told me St. Louis and then someone the St. Louis hospital called me and told me that she was there and my son.
0: Okay,
10: so you went there and what was the situation there? Did you
8: you saw your son was he
9: They told me he was in critical condition that they were working on him and then 5 minutes later they told me that he was dead.
4: I, how could you? I mean, just because you can talk to somebody doesn't mean that you should talk to somebody. And this father is not only dealing with the death of his son, he's dealing with critical injuries from his wife and his mother, mother-in-law. And then to question and to ask what he did, what did she say again? Why don't you well, replay all of these things for me while he's in the parking lot of the hospital? It just seems disgusting to me.
2: Now, the uh, I guess the photographer who was doing this with the reporter there in the parking lot? posted something on uh, Facebook that explained we approached it very carefully. We talked with him for a few minutes before we before we started rolling just to make sure that he was okay with all of this. And he totally approved of being photographed while they were doing this interview.
4: Yeah, but he's not that, in a state of mind to well, be able to say, answer those qu- questions.
2: But, but to your point, that's not the – I mean, uh, how do you weigh – Being on this side of it, not on the reporter role anymore, it's I just I would not feel comfortable interviewing that guy, especially if you if you know she knew the answers to all of those questions before she asked them. Because if, in fact, she had spoken to him for a few minutes beforehand, she knows that's the guy who lost the six year old. I'm going to ask him about the moment the doctor told him that his kid died.
4: I'm going to just confirm all of these details verbally with him so that I have something that others don't.
2: The other thing about it, as compelling as it is that the, he was the man who lost a six-year-old, the interview itself isn't very compelling because he's in shock. He's incapable of crying, it sounds like. He's incapable of losing his he's, – he's barely – I mean, we're talking lizard brain keeping him going right now. He has zero ability to understand the scope of how his life has been changed and that you would then interview a guy in the, in that moment – I just I disagree with 100%. and
4: then have the audio of him and his reaction and that interview being broadcast everywhere nationally and to have your first reactions of this tragedy that happened in your personal life uh, strewn about the entire nation for everyone to listen to and comment on and react to and potentially even judge is I mean, it's not fair. It's not fair to a person just because they say yes does not mean that you should do that.
2: CNN also did something where they talked with a seven-year-old who was there at the time, um, and they put a video up, and they've been playing this thing over and over again, detailing what the seven-year-old saw and witnessed while he was going through all of this. And, okay, if there's a few people I hold responsible for this, this kid never should have been on TV and never should have been asked if he wanted to talk about this, that you're a TV reporter, you're not a therapist, and that's what that kid needs. Were, need you? Were
4: there any other adults around? Like, was there anybody else around that we could have gone to before we went to? Oh, you know what? This is definitely the person we should be talking to about what happened. Hello, little seven-year-old. Yeah. What's your name?
2: Hey, buddy. Where are your
4: parents? Nope, none of that. Just let's talk to you. I mean, what? Where were his parents?
2: Well you've got a news director who can pull the plug on that and never allow that footage to be shown. You've got a reporter who should have had better responsibility and not spoken. You have a photographer usually who's there and said, "You know what? I don't think this is going to be." And you've got the kids parents or somebody or anybody who's like, "Are you guys serious really? You guys are going to do this now in front of in this is not the right time or the right place." And and there's an if you're in that moment and you don't have somebody advocating on your behalf, like if, if you if something happened to, uh, a, I don't know, a niece or nephew of mine, I would in, I would immediately tell brother, sister, brother in law, whatever, do not
4: engage, right? say
2: anything to anyone other than the police. <laughs> do not talk to reporters. Don't just don't do it. It doesn't serve you in any way,
4: well, and I think that some media outlets have changed the way that they cover some of these shootings because it used to be who is the shooter, who what is everything about them, why, why did they do this, where did they, b-? and to see even in the press conference, the I believe the police chief saying, I don't really even want to talk about this guy or discuss right. him, and I think that more media outlets are getting on board with that to say we're not going to do a whole spread about this person because we don't want to give them the the attention, and we're going to talk about the victims and. I think that maybe it will start heading in a better direction. And I think that some of these outlets should be held accountable for the way that they cover these these horrible things, because it's I mean, of course, it's one thing to keep people updated, but it's about how you're keeping people updated and respecting the people that have gone through these tragedies, which will absolutely need a ton of therapy and they're going to have PTSD. There's going to be all this stuff. And to have these first moments right afterwards be hey we're gonna have cameras in your face we're gonna have microphones in your face it's that that intensifies the trauma
2: yeah it doesn't it, yeah and there's got to be some responsibility in newsrooms around the country all right coming back uh, the craziest uh, most biblical uh,
4: <laughs> the rapture is here the
2: rapture is here and it's gonna start in Vegas uh,
4: <laughs> I guess that makes
2: sense we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back Gary and Shannon will continue Allie's in for Shannon today Johnson's in for uh, Shannon today. Stories that we've been following, of course, tomorrow night. First of two nights of the big uh, Democrat debates in Detroit, I believe is where they are. CNN has already set up. They've got their uh, their big outdoor stage ready outside the Fox Theater there in Detroit. Um, we'll pay attention to that. We're not going to cover it, but, I mean, we're not going to listen. Anyway.
4: We're not going to not cover
2: it. We're going to not cover
4: But we're not going to really cover it.
2: We're not going really to do that. Blow by blow on that
4: thing is that is it the fact that it's in Detroit something where uh, it's like when they pick out where to do the Olympic Games and the Super Bowl and thing to try and to try and drive tourism to that city
2: possibly hey, Detroit's doing better than uh, than I think people are giving it credit for it. yeah it's not listen I'm not saying it's Disneyland <laughs> but Detroit I mean, has had some bad years Detroit <laughs> and it seems like it's uh, it's starting to turn uh, turn the corner I can get you a cheap house in Detroit too for like four bucks. Um, <laughs> The, uh, the story also about those teenagers in Rome, two California teenagers in Rome accused of murdering an uh, undercover police officer, one of, the ju- uh, one of the kids apparently said that he stabbed the officer eight times because he feared he was being strangled. Oh. The judge in the case said that there was zero evidence that the kid was being strangled. There's no wounds on his neck or anything like
4: that. I would imagine those markings would come pretty quickly if someone was trying to strangle you.
2: Yeah, um, the uh, the grasshopper invasion has begun in Las Vegas. There was a, an unseasonably wet winter and spring, and of course they're saying that, oh, pallid winged grasshoppers go through the valley. They migrate as far north as central Nevada, from Laughlin in northern Arizona. And the swarms that have been showing up on social media are incredible.
4: Yeah, I don't think these are as Instagram worthy as the butterfly and the poppy swarms. <laughs> no. <laughs> Those were a lot more fun for people to
2: take pictures of. I mean the I just the the images of them on the sidewalk or and i'm not afraid of grasshoppers that's not what i'm saying and and you i i used to catch grasshoppers i used to use them as bait when you go fishing you catch a live one and you put a hook on them and you it's listen. oh i didn't know you use grasshoppers sure why not absolutely <laughs> why not why because not? it's huge well not the, the bigger It'll catch ones. you a catfish like bam like that really yeah, yeah. Blake says they'll catch you catfish just like that. Catch ass
3: catfish with copper. Eat that thing right there. Just (laughs) chop his head off and eat
2: that thing like a popsicle. Uh, (laughs) Possicle. Well, there's plenty of them now in Vegas. The thing is, if you walk down the street and there's thousands of grasshoppers on the sidewalk.
4: Where you can't even walk.
2: That's creepy. And imagine if you're wearing flip flops. And, and, a, and a couple of them kind of flop up underneath your foot, between your foot and the soft cushion of your flip flop,
4: and you're stumbling out of a casino with a <sighs> what is it the the Ruby Tuesday? <laughs> <the laughs>
2: Imagine cleaning, f- uh,
3: <laughs> cleaning the carpets of all those uh, casinos uh, right now, right at the entrance It's just way. ground in. Just <laughs> it's
4: just a oh. wing.
2: <laughs> you have to. Cl- you'd have to close your mouth. <laughs> God. I mean, I know grasshoppers are also probably a nice delicacy at some. Um, you know, but they have to be seasoned right.
4: Yeah, I don't think you just wild grasshoppers get a net and serve it at a restaurant. You got to put, they're...
2: like, safety goggles on when you're walking around. A little <laughs> poppy in the eyes.
4: So have we officially re- reached the end? This is the city of sin. Are we? Is that where the rapture is beginning? Are any of us prepared? Well, if I feel
2: underprepared. If the rapture begins in Vegas, I'll say that the um, hmm, the population of Vegas isn't going to change that much. <laughs> Is that, is that true. a safe way to put it? Yeah. It's, all right. No. All right. We have to check our Bible sign. I
4: would just imagine if I went to the casino and I spent all night there and I lost a bunch of money and I felt horrible about myself and then I walked out and there was a swarm of
2: grasshoppers,
4: grasshoppers at my feet. Face. I would be like, this is God giving me a message. Okay,
2: yeah. I'm going home. Allie, I get it. I get it. Stop
4: gambling and go home.
2: Uh, when we come back, we'll do all of our uh, trending stories, including it's um, National Chicken Wing Day. Thanks a lot, Victor. Appreciate that. Bringing us chicken wings not
4: well you were bashing chicken wings you did this to yourself
2: uh that's probably true we'll continue <laughs> gary and shannon right after this
8: Said, oh, come on love will be just fine we live just like this 99 tonight
2: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty, in for Shannon today. Ally Johnson is here. Be here today and tomorrow. Shannon back on Wednesday. I just had that odd moment in the uh, in the break room back there where someone else's food was in the microwave.
4: Oh, it's Cooked, terrible.
2: Done, like it's ding, it's already done. And they
4: left it in there, didn't
2: they? They left it in there, and I don't know how long to wait before. I pull it out and then put mine in, because then that's rude.
4: And also, you're on a time constraint. You only have a that's, few minutes.
2: That's the difference. Any other workplace where you don't have a deadline every five minutes, you probably just let it sit. You go, hey, uh, hey Bob, you know who's food this is? But since I had to be back here at a certain time, I just threw it in the garbage and put mine in there.
4: <laughs> I took it with me. I ate it, too. Yeah.
2: So if you want to buy it, I don't know whose it is, but it's pretty good.
4: <laughs> See, my move would be to take it out, put mine in. Then once mine is completed, I would put theirs back in the microwave.
2: I didn't even bother putting it back in the microwave. (laughs) I just left it on the counter. It's
4: just sitting there getting cold. Well, it would
2: have been getting cold in the microwave, too. Oh, that
4: poor Hot Pocket.
2: I'm just assuming that's what it is. Someone's Hot Pocket is cold. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, a big trending story over the last several hours, uh, and will continue for some time today, is the shooting at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. About 80 miles southeast of San Francisco, three people were killed: uh, a six-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, and a young man in his 20s were killed. The 19-year-old shooter was engaged by police almost immediately and was uh, was killed. The information that we got from the police chief today, <clears throat> excuse me, was that uh, the officers were able to get in within a minute of the shots being fired, of the first shots being fired. The officers who were there running security for the festival, uh, pulled their guns and were able to take this guy down. So it could have been, as horrible as three deaths are, including two children, it could have been worse.
4: Yeah, and I think that it's really, I mean, they've also been raiding his home, or at least where he was staying. I know a SWAT team was there, and they found some evidence. I think they even found some ammo and whatnot, so I think they're going to be doing a heavy Heavy investigation figuring out who this guy was, if there was any evidence online, things like that. Because sometimes you find that they are part of groups and chat rooms and things like that. And you eventually figure out that they were part of a larger group or there was some kind of a fuel online.
2: Uh, Boeing is trending today as well. The CEO of Ryanair has sounded off on Boeing. It's been several months now that Boeing 737 Maxes have been parked out in the desert, well, if you're southwest and other places around the world, and not flying. Boeing halted deliveries of their planes in March after the 737 MAX crashes, the two crashes within a few months of each other, within five months of each other. Ryanair executives uh, expected 58 of the planes next summer. That has been pushed back, obviously. And Ryan, uh, Michael O'Leary, the CEO of Ryanair, says it it may well move to 20, it could move to 10, and it could well move to zero if Boeing doesn't get their s together pretty quickly with the regulator.
4: <laughs> the airline wars. Shots down. fired. It's crazy. I think that, I mean, I don't know about you, but with the Boeing Max 737, if it ever did get back in the air, I would not want to go on that plane.
2: I wouldn't. I I don't think I would know or care if uh, if it's seven thirty seven something, something, something. I mean I, I guess I wouldn't I don't I wouldn't pay attention because I wouldn't want to pay attention. How's that?
4: Okay. But I if I was I
2: don't know. sitting
4: in my seat and they said, Welcome aboard this Boeing Max seven thirty seven and you go,
2: What is that what That sounds familiar. Were those the
4: ones that got I grounded wonder, and recalled because a bunch of them crashed? I wonder uh, if they
2: changed the name.
4: Oh, I mean, there you go. If they did
2: that, maybe that would be enough to throw people off because we're big, dumb animals when it comes down to yeah. it, and easily It's it. The super
4: safe, brand new Boeing seven thirty eight. <laughs> Max safe. That's what they call safe. it.
2: Uh, Brazil prison riot is trending. That's not a band from the eighties. It is a Brazil prison riot. Fifty two people were killed in a prison riot in Brazil. Now in that that is an Altamira aggressive. Jail.
4: I mean, you hear about some prison prison riots, like one, per, you know, several people get injured, maybe one person dead. Yeah. This is, this has got to be one of the worst in the history. In right.
2: history, fifty two people. Uh sixteen of those fifty two people were decapitated, and part of the prison was set on fire. This is... I, I said this earlier. I stand by this. ASAP, Rocky's lucky he's in jail in Sweden, and not some other country.
4: It's probably so nice at the Swedish jail.
2: All the milk you could drink.
4: (laughs) You (laughs) want some more milk? You're the only one here.
2: Uh, In Arkansas, first of all, I didn't know this guy would ever get out of jail, but a kid who was 11 years old when he and a friend gunned down a teacher and four students at a middle school in Arkansas has been killed in a car crash. 33-year-old Andrew Golden changed his name to Drew Grant was living in Missouri. Um, there was another driver that actually hit him head on Highway 167 near Cave City, 100 miles north of Little Rock. This was... Uh, Andrew Golden and Mitchell Johnson was 13 at the time, set off a fire alarm at Westside Middle School near Jonesboro, Arkansas in 1998 and then shot at people as they were leaving the building. I remember covering that story as a reporter, one of the early stories. Not there, but I remember talking about it.
4: Oh, yeah. And then you think about when the person just decides to change their name and you don't really know who's living. I mean, could be a neighbor of yours and you have no idea what their history is. Why are you trying to scare me? I'm not
2: <laughs> Jeez.
4: <laughs> I'm just saying when someone changes their name.
2: It, they can throw you off. Yeah. You off you're just screen. like,
4: wait a minute. Hold on. You. This was who now?
2: Change the name of the Boeing 737 Maxes. People don't know what they're getting into. Right. Uh, oh, I was waiting for Lori Loughlin's daughters to break their silence, said no one. <laughs> but it turned out that Lori Loughlin's, uh celebrated her 55th birthday, probably one of her last outside of a federal prison, uh, and she'd been keeping a low profile, but Bella Gianulli broke her social media silence to wish her mom a happy birthday. By the way, is there a, there's got to be an ingrained belief now in people of a certain age that if it doesn't happen on social media, it doesn't happen.
4: Exactly. Yeah. And that's how people live their lives. That's how they they view the world as I must document it as I'm living it.
2: I've, I fell for this last week. And I've, I just realized this now. I just fell for this. I told my sister happy birthday on Facebook, right? She, she read it. I know she got it. Did you the,
4: write out the full happy birthday or did you do the whole HPD? Thing.
2: No, I did the whole thing. Good for uh, you. And it was like, hey, it's from your favorite brother. I'm her only brother, but it's your yeah, happy birthday. That's hilarious. Do you have her phone number? See, that's what I'm getting at, Blake. I should have just called her. Yeah. But for some reason, it was the easy way out. And that right. way I get social credit for it, right? I get, so, I get credit from other family members who are like, oh, he's a nice brother. He remembered her birthday. Right. Or Which you- is weird because they think you love her for writing that, but you would show much more love if you just called her.
4: But you might get other sh- shamed by other family members. Going, why is her brother putting this on Facebook? Why right. wouldn't he be why calling didn't he her? Just
2: call her, yeah.
4: So the, I fall for this around Mother's Day and Father's Day because I posted something for my dad. Oh, he's my dad, I love him. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, my dad isn't on it's Instagram. Not,
2: it's not very poetic. My dad. <laughs> oh, your dad's not even on Instagram. No. So I don't, no, she, <laughs> she. He's did not blah, even going to and then she finished it with rah rah rah. Then it was. <laughs> so yeah. then it rhymes. yeah hashtag absolutely. rah rah <laughs> that's funnier
4: but he wouldn't he it's not why did i do that i only did that well, so that other people could see how much i love my dad
2: and somebody says did you see that wonderful thing that ali wrote about you on instagram and he's i don't know what you're talking about what Oops.
4: what's instagram
2: that One uh, pictures on the telephone and then finally today <laughs> is um uh, national chicken wing day
10: it's about
4: time
2: what is it? Is that what you were waiting for, Amy? <laughs> the other yeah.
4: 364 days of the year just waiting. A Chicken bunch wings of, rock.
2: A bunch of different places that you can get some free stuff, like Wing Zones offering 16 wings for 10 bucks uh, if you order online. Wing Stop offering five free wings for every wing purchase today. And Hooters, sorry, all-you-can-eat wings for 15.99.
10: Don't apologize. They have the best wings. Do they? I think
0: they do. They do. really I've got my band boobs hanging low.
4: I don't think you can get the best wings ever at any chain. Well, there's
2: you gotta, that. You got to make them?
4: You got to either make them or you got to go to just a, it's a one location place that's just, rumor has it, they have the best wings ever. And you go to that place, they've got the best wings. It's always crowded because they have the best wings, but they're not a chain. Not a chain. You can't, I don't think you can make the best wings ever when you have thousands of locations. But they don't offer the deals and the free ones. They don't.
2: But every day, is wing day at the best places. <laughs> it's true. Uh, we'll come back and talk about the box office, how things went uh, over the weekend, and then Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour, getting ready for uh, big debates. Of course, coming up starting tomorrow night, tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Gary and Shannon will continue. Allie Johnson's in for Shannon today. I'm
1: at an all time. Dakika dakika <systematicallyiesta> <music>
2: Gary and Shannon KFI AM 640 Big stories at uh, 1 o'clock We're going to get an update on the Garlic Festival shooting Up in Gilroy Three people were killed A 6 year old, a 13 year old And then a man in his 20s The 19 year old shooter was identified He was also shot and killed by police So 4 dead On Swamp Watch we'll jump into uh, the president Talking about uh, Elijah Cummings The congressman from Maryland Also going after Al Sharpton and then, of course, the uh, Democratic debates kick off tomorrow. The next debates, these are going to be in Detroit. First one is going to be tomorrow night. Uh, last night, or I, sh- yeah, last night wrapped up the weekend for uh, the box office. And it looks like Lion King stayed at number one, despite the fact that the Quentin Tarantino movie opened as well. Everything you see oh. exists together in a delicate balance. I would have thought they would have used uh, James Earl Jones' old voice tracks from the original,
4: and just put them in there,
2: and just made those the thing. But they made they had them record everything. I was again. thinking
10: about that because I went and saw it yesterday, mm-hmm. and you heard it, and you go, "Oh, that is James Earl Jones." Did they just do that? And then you start hearing the different dialogue, but so it. It was sort of distracting in the.
4: Well, I would imagine his. It's been a long time since the original, yeah. so I would imagine his voice has changed a little
2: bit. Yeah.
4: It has a little, but he's still phenomenal. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, it's 50, uh, 75.5 million in the second weekend. Now, that took a drop of, they said, about 60% from the 192 million in the first week. And there's talk about how you. When you lose more than a hundred million dollars from week one to week two, you sort of join an exclusive club. What? What kind of? I would love to be a member I'm of still that. Still making
4: millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah they, that's fine. They use the I'm Dark
2: Knight Rises um, and Captain America: The First Avenger. All as examples of how it is that these movies lose money in their second weekend.
10: What? It's made a billion dollars. I know. Why does
2: that matter? If you, who cares if you lose a hundred million in the second weekend if you've already been uh, hitting close to a billion dollars?
4: I think it it makes a comment a comment about how good the movie really is when you get down to it. Maybe that's the point they're making. Is that okay? From one week to the next? Right, because so many people are going to see it the first weekend no matter what. It's a highly anticipated release. It's, of course, you can't beat the Disney nostalgia. Everyone wants to see the remake. So everyone's going to see it in the first weekend. But if it's a really, really good movie, it will perform for It'll stay in theaters for a longer time. People are going to... the, The audience is still going to be it's going to be sustained for a longer period of time.
2: I just think it's a weird metric to look at and then suggest that that is a determining factor uh, as to whether or not this is a successful... This is a known (laughs) known quantity. You know going into it, just based on the success of even the Jungle Book from a few years back, that this was going to be uh, highly anticipated, well-made. It doesn't even have to be perfect, just well-made. And then it's going to make a billion dollars easily. Yeah.
4: It just doesn't... It needs to not be a total atrocity. It was not a total atrocity.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: a great (laughs) review.
4: I heard there were... I haven't seen it yet, but I heard there were a few missed opportunities. There are some songs that you kind of have expectations around, and then when you don't see those come to fruition, you're kind of bummed out by it, but... I, I think they actually did all the songs.
10: I'm trying to remember... They did like a new one, but they did most of the music, if not all of it. There was just that because it was live action, I'm saying that in quotes, uh, as opposed to the actual cartoon, they kind of fell short.
2: Did you feel I think some of it probably had to do with you were already familiar with the songs and they're so iconic in our memories that to see them done a second time is it just is not the same. It doesn't have the same. Gravitas that they, they may have had the first time you saw it.
10: I think that might it that might have been it. But I can tell you that it, the it, the movie was great. It was distracting though because of things like James Earl Jones, and then you're thinking about his voice, and then it was distracting because the characters were so realistic, even though they were talking. But the the animation <laughs> was so stellar, fabulous, amazing, mind blowing that it. Was distracting to the movie. I
4: and I, I haven't seen it yet. I did see Aladdin, and I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Where they would put these, they would put these actors at, and make them act very realistically, sort of like twenty nineteen. Like, hey, what's up, Jasmine? I'm just a street rat. Right. But then you're also in these completely unrealistic scenarios where in The Lion King, all of the animals are talking. <laughs> and in Aladdin, there is a genie granting wishes. Right. So why don't we, I think that they're still finding the balance between the the unrealistic scenarios and the fantastic... Uh, Stories that are right. being told that Disney has already been told telling, and then how to adapt them to modern times without being too realistic because I do think it takes the audience out of it.
2: Do not worry about Disney, by the way. I know that people were concerned about the future of the company. <laughs> Disney has made seven point six seven billion dollars this year on movies. Seven point six seven. That beats their previous record of twenty sixteen of seven point six one billion. And let me remind well, you. Well,
10: not they didn't beat it by much. Well, yeah. but it's August. <laughs> I mean, it's not even August
2: <laughs> yet. The that of course has to do with uh Marvel's um Avengers Endgame. They had Captain Marvel, they had Aladdin, they had The Lion King, they had Toy Story 4. Don't forget Thanksgiving they'll have Frozen 2 and then of course to wrap up the whole Star Wars thing, The Rise of Star uh The Rise of Skywalker coming up uh, before it, Christmas. That's this December? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you so, forgot
10: about Mulan. That's coming, too. Oh, yeah. This year? Mulan. Mm-hmm. Is that this year? I If it's not, I don't know why the movie posters are in theaters. Right. Oh. Okay, yeah.
4: And the trailer was just released. That makes sense. Well, and also at Comic-Con, they were like, here's another, here's a list of 7,000 more Marvel movies that are coming out in the next two years. <laughs> crank them out. Crank them out.
2: When we come back, we'll get into Swamp Watch, talk about politics, and uh, a bunch to come out from the president's tweets, but also... Uh, some discussion about what's going on tomorrow in Detroit with the uh, debates. Gary and Shannon will continue with Allie Johnson in for Shannon today. Gary and
3: Shannon, KFI AM 640,
2: Allie Johnson is in for Shannon today. It's going to be back on uh, Wednesday. should have a couple of announcements coming up later in this week, perhaps as well, for our next News & Brews events that are coming up on the calendar. At 1 o'clock, we're going to be talking uh, with Alex Stone, who was in that news conference this morning up in Gilroy, more about the Garlic Festival shooting from yesterday. Three people were killed, a 6-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, and a man in his 20s. Uh, Killed when that shooting happened yesterday. Police were able to respond within a minute, they said. And uh, put the guy down, the 19-year-old who was doing the shooting. So we'll have more stuff, uh, more information on that. But it's an opportunity for us to get into Swamp Watch.
7: Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp! Drain the swamp! Drain the swamp!
2: Well, the big story that's uh, dominated, unfortunately, for the last couple of days is the president going after Elijah Cummings, the uh, 7th Congressional District there in Baltimore, and then going after Al Sharpton today, and people lose their minds over it. The president did something very important, signed into law today uh, the 9-11 Responders Act, which is going to pay for care for uh, people who... Mm. For the most part, you could argue, gave their lives uh, on September 11th, um, ignoring the uh, obvious danger to themselves to try to, to save people. And that, I think, unfortunately, is getting lost uh, because of the president's own doing. I mean, his own tweets about all of this overshadow the work that he does. Uh, and we went through this a little bit earlier. So uh, Elijah Cummings, longtime congressman from Baltimore, gets in a... Uh, I don't want to say a shouting match, but was shouting at the the head of Immigration and Customs Enforcement about the conditions at the border. That was last week. Then a uh, about a week and a half ago. And then a uh, Fox News report compares the conditions at the border to the conditions in West Baltimore, where Elijah Cummings' 7th District is.
4: And then... Donald Trump stepped in.
2: The president steps Seven. in. Oh, man,
4: I, I I got a tweet about this.
2: Yeah, I got I can't I, I got my thumbs are on fire, he says. And then he shoots off a bunch of tweets. He's been a uh, representative of Elijah Cummings has been a brutal bully, shouting and screaming at the great men and women of Border Patrol about conditions at the southern border when actually his Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous. And his district is considered the worst in the USA. I wanted to read something because this came from uh, this came from the National Review not Salon.com or Huffington Post or what you would consider a more liberal thing. National Review is a pretty conservative uh, magazine, online publication. And they wrote it up this way. Listen, Trump knows only one way to go after Elijah Cummings, and that is to talk about the bad parts of the 7th Congressional District. But that district is the second wealthiest majority black district in the entire country median average income fifty eight thousand and by the way i think it's uh i think it's sixty percent fifty nine sixty percent african American in that district it's got a fifty eight thousand dollar median household income which is the second wealthiest black majority district in the country thirty seven percent of the residents have a bachelor's degree or higher that's about middle of the pack nationally the highest employers in the district are Johns Hopkins University Johns Hopkins Hospital and Health System and the University of Maryland about 87% of the people were born in the United States roughly 66 66,000 identified their ancestry as German in the last census and what what the point that this uh, that this writer makes in the National Review is you could go to just about any district we were saying this earlier and find Any the worst district. part
4: You're of gonna it. You're going to find bad spots, and then put a magnifying glass over those bad spots. And then there are people that'll read those tweets and read those things, and they don't know the information that you just shared, right. and they will make their own generalizations and their own judgments based on blanket statements like that.
2: Now, the other thing that they ask you to do at this point is imagine for a moment that Elijah Cummings was not the congressman for the seventh district of Maryland. Imagine if somebody, pick your favorite congressman or woman, whatever oh, just man! pick okay. your favorite one. I go through my Rolodex. And, and yeah, everybody's got the top 10, right? <laughs> and imagine that that representative was working for the 7th District in Maryland. Does that change anything, at least immediately? Does And how long would you give that member of Congress, your favorite top 10 member of Congress, how long would you give them to change conditions? in West Baltimore before you also said, well, you're not doing it. You get out.
4: Right. But I mean, how much progress has been made over the time? I mean, he's, he's been in that position quite a while. So mm-hmm. there ha- I mean, the, the, the stats that you just shared, that seems like there have been many improvements in that area. And to focus on the things that are that still need work isn't exactly fair.
2: Well, it's also – I I don't necessarily know what the expectation would be for a member of Congress. To, I mean, I, yeah, I, they have to represent that district. And they have to make sure that they can get appropriations for the district. I understand that. But the day-to-day, literally ground-level work that needs to be done is not necessarily the responsibility of a member of Congress. That would fall to – City council and uh, district councils and things like that. Those see, are the yeah, ones... you
4: wouldn't want to place blame just on that one person.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying that he's done. A, I don't know if he's done a great job or not. I'll be honest with you. I haven't been keeping up on the seventh district of Maryland, but
4: no. But it's just. It's also. It's President Donald Trump is trying to attack anything that he can to paint this person in a negative light, and because other people don't have all of the facts, it's going to. It's just a jab. It's a. It's. It's. You're. You're. That's what. A bully would do is you find anything that could be just dist- construed as a weakness and you poke that thing as much as you can to irritate it.
2: Here's the thing. Uh, Elijah Cummings, like many other members of Congress, has a uh, laundry list of other things that could have been talked about that, you know, tax issues and unpaid bills issues and a couple of kids out of wedlock issues and things like that that weren't brought up. Hmm. So and I don't know if it's that the president knew about that stuff and decided that that was off limits, Or just didn't do enough, didn't do any homework on trying to find anything out about him. I don't know.
4: Well, and you have to wonder, I I understand, you know, that that the statements that Elijah Cummings recently made about the border conditions play into why he was attacked. But also you can't help but think how much race is involved with this, especially because of the tweet storm that came out a couple weeks ago about the squad and all of that. So all of that is already fresh in people's minds and because we're talking about a district that is, you know, has a majority of African American citizens and and you have to think about how much of that really plays into it.
2: You can't ignore it. No, you can't ignore and, it. And
4: and you sharing that it's an it, it's one of the wealthier African American majority districts and to see that the median Income is still only $50,000 a year. That's not that much. Right. So that's still a huge gap.
2: Um, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, debates coming up starting tomorrow night in Detroit and uh, probably have to reintroduce you to at least half of the people who are going to be on those stages because you're not going to recognize them. Uh, <laughs> next hour. Next hour, we're also going to get into the story about the director of national intelligence who is going to step down, or was announced that he will be leaving. We'll talk about Dan Coates and why it is that he's being forced out of that position. Gary and Shannon will continue. Ali Johnson sitting in for Shannon today. 6:40 At the uh, top of the hour, we're going to get an update on the Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting. Alex Stone is going to join us. Right when we started the show today, the uh, police chief in Gilroy announced the, at least descriptions of the three people who were killed. A six-year-old boy, 13-year-old girl, and a young man in his 20s killed when that man opened fire. A 19-year-old guy opened fire on the Garlic Festival. He was quickly uh, engaged by police, they said. Within a minute, we're going to get some more details from Alex coming up at uh, at the bottom, or sorry, at the top of next hour. At the bottom of next hour, David Ortiz, baseball player, David Ortiz for the Boston Red Sox, finally out of the hospital after having uh, survived a shooting in the Dominican Republic.
4: I didn't realize he'd been in the hospital this whole time. The entire time. story is fascinating.
2: Um, I watch uh, baseball games on the MLB app and the MLB TV. And they replace the local s- commercials with an MLB commercial. Somebody paid for MLB, et cetera. And there's one on there specifically about uh, – it's David Ortiz talking about his own father and his own father father's battle with cancer. It's just eerie knowing that he's been in the hospital right. this whole time. And David Ortiz is just sitting in the locker room going, this is my poppy. Mm. Anyway, um, we're in the middle of Swamp Watch. Allie Johnson is sitting in for Shannon today. We're talking about how uh, Joe Biden realized <laughs> – this is – to me, this is funny. That this, this, this is a weird scramble that Joe Biden realizes he has screwed up or he screwed up in the debate in Miami.
4: And that I, this is just now being talked about. You just realized you screwed
2: up? Well, I didn't even think he – I didn't even think he screwed up. I mean, it's not like he stepped on his own uh, – Johnson. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for the – Oh, I'm used to it. It's okay. OK, good. It's OK. Uh, it's friends
4: of my family, these jokes.
2: It's just that he got called out on some stuff that he maybe wasn't ready to defend yet. He or, wasn't
4: prepared for he wasn't it. Prepared. Yeah, prepared.
2: But I, I didn't see I, I didn't. It didn't seem to me as a as a screw up, because when you look at the polls that have been taken in the week since then. Others, other candidates, Kamala Harris specifically, she got a bump in the polls after the debate. But Joe Biden didn't lose very much, if any, support.
4: Yeah, I think that just a lot of people had high expectations of him going in. He when when he entered into the race, there were a lot of people who were really excited. All eyes were on him at that second night of the debates, and then to see him kind of bumbling up there and being like, and like his little old man smile wasn't really getting him that far.
2: (laughs) I just think cute old man smile. I think he underestimated the vigor with which these other candidates were going to go after him i feel like he he entered the race thinking um i am the elder statesman here i served two terms in the white house as vice president i've been in the senate i've been around for for 40 years i will be respected by some of these people or by all of them and i don't think the i don't think he expected them to go after him the way that they did. Yeah,
4: he was in a shark tank. And I and I think yeah, he with his, he has this kind of calm cool and collected demeanor most of the time and because that moment happened at the debates it raised a lot of questions as to whether or not he has the the veracity required to take on somebody like Donald Trump. Yeah. Because Kamala Harris was so pointed and so aggressive. And so a lot of people looked at her and went, well, that's that's the energy that we need to take on what's going on right now. So there were a lot of people who had doubts based on Biden's performance. They're like, can't just touch foreheads with Donald Trump and make it all better.
8: (laughs) Touch
2: foreheads. (laughs) I
4: mean, that would be
2: It's a good Joe Biden move, actually. Uh, The (laughs) the problem with uh, uh, Wednesday night (laughs) is that not only is he going to be sharing the stage with Kamala Harris again, he's going to be sharing the stage with Cory Booker and Cory Booker, I mean literally they're going to be on either side of him. And he's going to get it. He's going to get it and he I don't know if he's ready. I don't know how you would get ready for that. Those two people are very capable of making very pointed arguments against you. And if you're not prepared, you're going to look like a big dummy up there.
4: Yeah, and if if it happens again, then I would really start worrying about
2: Yeah, Um, I a decline. This uh, this is an important thing for him, uh, for Joe Biden. This is an important debate coming up. But the most important one, I think, comes up in a couple of months when we talk about September, because by then the criteria for getting onto the debate stage then is much more difficult in terms of the number of donors that you have to have, the polling numbers, et cetera. So it's much less likely we're not going to see two debates with 20 people on them. It, I don't think there are
4: enough podiums.
2: I think we're going to see in the September debate probably closer to eight or nine people just based on the criteria. And Do you think
4: Marianne Williamson will still be in there?
2: No, but that's too bad. <laughs> She's so entertaining. She's
4: so great.
2: <laughs> I, I, I described her as like every uh, every bad female character from an early 80s primetime soap opera <laughs> right. like that's what she reminded me of
4: <laughs> who just has a weird accent that makes no sense yeah like They're just Dore like right
2: on real housewives <laughs> or uh, madonna after she married a guy for two Ye- months or whatever yes
4: there's just more questions and answers there <laughs> all
2: right we come back uh alex stone's going to join us an update on uh on the situation up in gilroy from last night where three people were killed This Monday, July 29th, KFI AM 640. Allie Johnson sitting in for Shannon today. She'll be back on uh, Wednesday. The bottom of this hour, we're going to update you on the uh, David Ortiz story. The former Red Sox, former Cleveland Indians slugger. Said they're glad to be back home after the botched assassination attempt. He's finally, finally out of the hospital after all of that. Uh, The L.A. Mayor's office has confirmed there was a data breach that uh, involved some information about City of L.A. job applicants. Uh, NBC4 said that this was personal information for about 2,500 LAPD officers and another 17,000 police officer applicants that had some information stolen in, their, uh, in this hack, in this data breach, and those affected were notified over the weekend via email. Well, we've been following this story, unfortunately, for the last, uh, say, Oh, uh, twelve, eighteen 12, 18 hours now. The story of the shooting at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. A 19-year-old has been identified as the gunman, but we heard today the uh, at least descriptions of the three people who were killed. Alex Stone, we, uh, we were lucky enough to see you there in that news conference up in Gilroy. How's it going?
0: Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, we got a bunch more details out of that when police came out and described what they're doing to try to figure out the motive in this case to try to piece it together. And that's really what a lot of this is. We know that they are looking at some of his online postings and that there's an Instagram post that seems to uh, be somewhat sympathetic to uh, different white supremacist uh, ideals. But at the same time, there's nothing indicating that, that this was domestic terrorism, anything that was led by white supremacy. This may have just been an angry guy who had some of these beliefs but wasn't linked to any group. But they're going down all of these different possible avenues to try to to figure out what his motivation was, and they really don't know right now. But we know that he bought his weapon, uh, an uh, AK-47-type rifle, bought it legally on July 9th in Nevada, then carried it into California where it would have been illegal to, to buy it in California, used that weapon yesterday, cutting his way, into the security fence with some kind of tool, opening up a hole, crawling through it, and then opening fire on the crowd. Uh, as the Garlic Festival was wrapping up, people were listening to the final song from a, uh, a cover band, a classic rock, rock cover band, and uh, they were just finishing up, and then he opened fire. And uh, among the dead, six-year-old uh, little boy, uh, Stephen Romero, a 13-year-old girl, and a young man in his twenties. All of them dead. The gunman dead as well, killed by police. They took him on with handguns only. When he had that AK-47. Uh,
2: this 19-year-old gunman, from what we understand, had grew up in Gilroy. So, do we know much about him? Have we been able to talk to anybody who knew him as he was as a kid or even a high school student?
0: We don't know a ton, uh, because he's also been living in Nevada, in a real rural area south of uh, Reno. And he, it looks like he kind of split his time between the two. Police say that looks like he was back here in Gilroy, spending time living with his dad. His dad's home was raided today. There was a, a search warrant executed at his dad's house. We could see them coming out with boxes of evidence with what looked like a Gun bag, like what you would put a rifle in, camouflage. They were going through the vehicles that were outside the house. You know, very similar to after San Bernardino or after any mass shooting that you see all of these search warrants being executed, and they're being executed now at any location that is somewhat connected to this 19 year old. And uh, they're probably going to continue uh, tonight, tomorrow, as they try to, to piece all of this together.
4: Is there any kind of status update on the 15 wounded? I know last I had heard their condition was critical to FAIR. Is there any change with that?
0: Yeah, not all of them are that serious. Some of them are, and uh, we don't have a lot of updates on them. The the hospitals here have been, and police as well, pretty uh, hush-hush about what their conditions are. But we know that some of them uh, are pretty seriously injured, including the 6-year-old who died, uh, Stephen Romero, His mom and his grandma were also hit by gunfire, and it's unclear right now if they know that he's gone. We've heard from the other grandma, and she says that he was vivacious. He was just the the sweetest little boy. And that's the thing, Gary, you growing up in the Bay Area, you know that the Gilroy Garlic Festival, it's a family event. It's been going since 1979. A lot of kids go. Grandparents go with the families. It's big, 100,000 people attending. And just you look at the the ages of the dead: six years old, thirteen years old, man in his uh, early twenties. These are young victims because there were so many young people there.
2: Yeah, Alex, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there with the latest from uh, from Gilroy. Yeah, I'd, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's from California who hasn't gone there.
4: Yeah, you got. I mean, it's a bucket list thing. You got to go.
2: And you don't even have to like garlic. I mean, it's just no. It's just that It's, it's not one about of those, that. It's one of those iconic festivals small town homey places to kind of
4: it it uh signifies when i'm driving up home to the bay area to visit family when i smell the garlic i know i'm getting close yeah
2: um the uh, the story about who this kid is i mean we'll we'll be able to piece this together i assume in the next few days and that's what obviously what police are doing this morning when the uh, police chief got up there there were a lot of questions about this guy's exposure to social media or his exposure on social media and what sort of groups or anything that he was involved with. And the uh, the officer was saying, the chief was saying, we just, we're not going to talk about it yet because they're still in the process of putting all that together and then working with all these different agencies as well. It, it does it, I don't know if it concerns me. That's not the weird, the one thing that I think sticks out to me most significantly about this is that. He went through the process of finding a way in, knowing that that was going to be his target. He found a way in.
4: Right. He knew the security measures of that festival already. Right. He knew that there were security checkpoints and metal detectors, and he knew that there was a fence back there that he could get in. He premeditated all of this, but we don't have a specific target. It just seemed like from what the witness accounts were that he was just spraying, going back and forth, just kind of aimlessly.
2: All right. Uh, when we come back, the latest on the uh, director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, is going to step down as the DNI, and there is a guy who kind of made a name for himself, at least nationally, in the Mueller hearings from last week. We'll talk about him and what John Ratcliffe would bring to the director of national intelligence position. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Alec Johnson sitting in for Shannon today. Carrie and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Shannon's out today. Allie Johnson sitting in for her. Make sure <coughs> you follow <Allie laughs> on Twitter. Your Ally Johnson, Y-O-U-R and an A-L-L-Y. Why, thank your you, ally.
4: I am your ally.
2: Allie Johnson. Um, we have uh, been following a bunch of stories today. Obviously, the uh, shooting up in Gilroy at the Garlic Festival, three people killed. Four if you count the shooter, but nobody really does. Uh, three people killed, a 6-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a young man in his 20s were killed. As many as 15 or 16 others were wounded. The uh, The ongoing fight between the president and uh, Elijah Cummings, I guess, pulled in more people today. The president went after uh, Al Sharpton as well and called him a con man. And, oh, and uh, then
4: he hates white people and cops.
2: Oh, that's right. Yes, he <laughs> hates white people and cops because, like you said, he had extra characters left in his tweet. Yeah. Got to put something in there. Uh, the other big story out of d c is that Dan Coates is out as the uh, the Director of National Intelligence, guy who oversees and sort of uh, is the the skinny part of the funnel when it comes to all of the- in, uh, intelligence agencies in the United States and getting them to the president, getting all of the uh, information to the president. The relationship between Donald Trump and Dan Coates has never been great
4: but it uh, seems like he was tolerating him yeah. for as long as he could at least until the Mueller investigation happened.
2: And listen, when when Dan Coats was nominated to be the Director of National Intelligence, it was very well received. That goes I mean, that was not the case with almost all of the other nominees that the president wanted in his cabinet. Think of think of Betsy DeVos or Ben Carson or Rex Tillerson. I mean, all the, these were not people that were considered great at what they did. And they got a lot of pushback. Dan Coats was one of those where Democrats even said, yeah, we like him. He's good at what he's going to do. And he really brings a certain amount of uh, credibility to it. So shocker,
4: he's now gone.
2: Right. Well, it did take two years. But like you said, it was almost immediate that there were some conflicts between uh, Dan Coats and Donald Trump. The first was when Dan Coats told House investigators and then eventually the Mueller uh, investigative team that the president wanted to come out with a public statement or he wanted the director of national intelligence to come out with a public statement that he had been exonerated by this election interference investigation.
4: Right. So they said no, because that's actually not true.
2: Well, he said no, because it's not appropriate for him to comment on all of this. And he said, given all, uh, given the nature of my position and the information, which the president and I share, it's not appropriate for me to comment publicly on on any of that how so, dare you how dare you do what you're not supposed to do or not do what you're not supposed to do the but the biggest fight came if you remember the helsinki uh press conference that helsinki press conference was one of the more odd things i think we've ever seen i think everybody can agree on that with an american president standing next to a russian president and saying to the world We have the best intelligence capabilities in the entire world that tell me that Russia interfered in the election. Whether they changed the outcome or not, to be determined, and at that point still hadn't been determined.
4: But we at least know that there was
2: interference. But we knew they were interfering. And the president said, but I trust this guy here, who's a notoriously bad actor, but, but I trust him instead of Dan Coates in the national intelligence apparatus that we have. That was one of them. In fact, um, former top officials uh, called these comments unbelievable. Former CIA Chief John Brennan called them treasonous. I don't know if I go that far. It's just uh, uninformed. Then there was a, a whole series of things that happened in January, if you remember. Dan Coates got up there and suggested that there are bad bad things going on incredible threats from north korea from russia and from isis and china for different reasons but but basically that north korea is never going to give up its nuclear ambition isis is always going to be a threat uh russia is always going to try to interfere with us uh and china has a lot more going for it economically in terms of uh, undermining our economic power
4: and then again how dare you
2: And the president said, yeah, the president said you can't do that. I disagree with you, which is you you can I guess you can disagree with him. But what Dan Coates's job was uh, was to look at the information coming to him from the different intelligence agencies and synthesize it to a point where he's not making it up. I mean, he's not reading something and going, well, you know what? I was reading a comic book the other day and it made me yeah. think that the Chinese are out to get us.
4: This is just my opinion, completely unfounded.
2: Right, no, no, that's that's no. not what he does. He's
4: relaying information that he's getting and then he's being his he's now being fired or asked to resign for doing his job because what Donald Trump wants is somebody who's a blind loyalist and now, that's now who he's nominated.
2: Now, Dan Coats had said at least in the letter that it, that was published today I never intended for this to be a permanent thing, which is a very nice. I guess that's what you do when you're in when you're sure. in a government like that. You say I, I didn't mean to keep this job the whole time, so that when you do get fired, it looks like you meant to get fired. But John, this Rackliffe, was just a
4: side hustle for me. Right? I actually just yeah. want to be a rideshare driver.
2: I'm, yeah. So if you need me, if you're in the D.C. area, the North Metro area, just look up uh, look up Dan. I drive a <laughs>
4: Dan C in the sedan.
2: <laughs> my Kia Sport. Um, <laughs> So John Ratcliffe is the guy who's going to be the, the replacement. John Ratcliffe is a Texas Republican, went after Bob Mueller the other day uh, in the Mueller hearing in Congress and suggested that there was no reason that M- Bob Mueller should have written in the report or Bob Mueller's people, it sounds like, should have written in the report that they couldn't exonerate the president, that there was no legal reason for him to put that in there. And John Ratcliffe made it made a point. Uh it was one of the very few sound bites that was played over and over again from that. And John Ratcliffe, by the way, he's not he's not just randomly a guy out of Texas. He does have some experience in anti terror. He worked for the Justice Department working anti-terror. He has been talking a lot about intelligence and been involved in intelligence before. So it's not random. It's not like he's he's just picking a guy who he likes Uh, the color of his shirt or something.
4: Sure. He's also one of the most conservative uh, legislators. Yeah. But he also, I guess in a recent interview, he said that he felt that the special counsel's report and its conclusions were not from Robert Mueller, but rather were written by what a lot of people believe was Hillary Clinton's de facto legal team. So in a way, who he's nominating for this new position Kind of believes in conspiracy theories?
2: Well, (laughs) the questions that need to be asked of him in the Senate are very clearly whether or not Russia interfered in the 2016 election. The only answer is yes. Yes. And And still, will you pull out all the stops to make sure that that does not happen again? And the answer has to also be yes. Right. But we'll see. I mean, he's got a couple of weeks before he gets into that. All right. Coming back. The latest on uh, the David Ortiz story. Crazy story out of the Dominican with this baseball player. Former baseball player was shot in the back. He's finally out of the hospital. We'll talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Allie Johnson sitting in for Shannon today. KFI AM 640. Shannon's out until uh, Wednesday. So Allie Johnson is sitting in for her. We've been talking about a bunch of stuff today that we'll keep all our eyes on, of course. Later this afternoon, they're expected to hold another news conference up in Gilroy after the shooting at the Garlic Festival. Killed three people, or if you count the gunman. Uh, eh. The director of national intelligence has uh, decided that he's gone. We were just talking about that. Dan Coates is out. Uh, John Ratcliffe, a congressman from Texas, is going to be nominated to take over for him. And uh, this story that's been floating around for a couple of uh, couple of weeks now, a uh, former baseball slugger David Ortiz has been in the hospital since he was shot down in the Dominican Republic. And we've talked about this many times uh, since uh, June 9th was the day that he was shot. Ryan Burrow is joining us to talk more about this story. It looks like, uh, first of all, David Ortiz finally got out of the hospital.
3: Yeah, it sounds like on Friday he got out, and uh, he was in the hospital, whether it be in the Dominican Republic or when he was sent uh, to the hospital in Massachusetts. Uh, for about seven weeks, underwent three surgeries, uh, had a lot of things done. Uh, obviously, bullet fragments removed, parts of the intestines removed as well. Uh, and he is back at home with his family, which is good news. The Red Sox announcing that. On Saturday and today he was on Instagram talking about uh, uh, how he's feeling good, but he knows he has to do rehab just like he did when he was covering from uh, playing baseball. And so it's uh, another long, slow process for him, but at least he gets to be in the company of family and friends in this. And I uh, don't exactly know when he'll be Big Poppy again and his normal self, but it uh, sounds like it it will take some time.
2: I was telling everybody, I, I've been seeing commercials with him in there. I think it's for a a cancer fundraiser, if I'm not mistaken, that plays on MLB Network a lot, where he just seems fine, and I think people forget that he's been in the hospital for almost two months.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, in his little statement that he announced on Instagram, uh, he thanked those doctors uh, who've been working on him. Uh, what many medical experts have said is, because he's an athlete, because his body was in such good shape that he's speeding up the recovery, so that's good news. He's 43 years old, but he wanted to make sure to thank the doctors, both in the Dominican as well as Boston, for all of their help and support. <coughs> We're still trying to figure out exactly what happened that night. We know he was shot at essentially point-blank range. Um, 40s now in the Dominican believe that uh, it was his friend that was being targeted. It was a contract uh, attempted killing. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse um, me. And that he was not the target. Um, remember, initially they had like 14 arrests, and now they seem to be focusing in on this one guy whose name is Gomez Valdez. Uh, he's the one that's in custody right now, and seems to be the one that uh, they believe was behind all of this.
4: It just sounds like a terrible assassin. You get paid to go in there. You don't even shoot the right person, or the person you do shoot is the uh, happens to be an ultra famous yeah. baseball player in the United States. I can't imagine. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean there there are conspiracy theories that maybe Big Poppy was indeed the target after all, but we just you know I mean unless authorities say that we don't know that for a fact, and uh, he sure seems glad to be back in the United States. You know, one of the things that he tweeted out was uh, a picture of a steak, and he said uh, it's going to be a while before he can eat that. Uh, the exact quote was, uh, uh, "Too bad I can't crush food yet." Um, he's, he's known as a man who likes some food, so I bet he's very anxious to get back at that steak.
2: Yeah, Brian, thank you, appreciate it. Yep. Ryan Ryan Burrow there with the latest on uh, David Ortiz getting out of the hospital. And as I was, I saw that quote, actually. It's too bad I can't crush food yet. And but you can blend it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blend, blend it and stick it in your IV. Hopefully blend you get a big enough needle.
4: Steak and some A1 sauce.
2: Um, that sounds really good. Uh, but I realized I was looking through the, I mean, he was shot in the back, right? Yeah, and at really
4: close range.
2: They said that they, where did it go? Uh, During the surgery, a portion of his intestines and colon were removed. His gallbladder was removed. He had damage to his liver as well. Oh, no. So
4: There's going to be a lot of permanent damage there then. You can't, because you can't, I mean, being shot in the back, for one, that's something. Back problems, they last, you know, especially, I mean. Like they're saying, of course, he's an athlete. He's always been in very good shape, so his recovery process is going to be a little easier. But still, I mean, being shot in the back at close range, you're going to have those problems carry with you forever. And then if you've got on top of it part of your intestine being removed, that changes. Changes a lot of things.
2: I'm and I'm curious about this ongoing discussion about w- the even the conspiracy theories about whether he was the target, right. whether his cousin was the target, why the guy was so bad at what he did that the shooter in this why wouldn't he I'm not suggesting this is a valid form of of uh, of employment, but why wouldn't he shoot him in the head? I mean, if he was <laughs> if that was the job, right? Then That's it,
4: why I just think this guy's a horrible assassin. Yeah. I mean, just, maybe he went to some discount hit place because that's just that just seems it seems like he just ran in there shot somebody and then ran out he didn't even shoot the right person and probably not in the right place i was
2: gonna say you make the point like he's got one picture oh i'm gonna i'm gonna kill this guy this one and then all of a sudden you see big poppy and you're like what i don't know (laughs) he's the most famous dominican Right. right now in the world
4: everybody would recognize him
2: All right, um, we're going to revisit this Area 51 thing. This is getting serious because the clock is ticking. And uh, there's just not enough. There's not enough people out there saying that this is a dumb idea. (laughs) Because it's not. Okay, you've just proved my point. You guys have fun with that. If 5 million people (laughs) signed up for this thing on Facebook to Storm Area 51, now a couple of weeks out we should go... All five million of those people should go. Yeah, it's not really a good idea. Yeah,
4: but there were also a million people that signed up to go to Goachella. You know, when is Coachella? Well, it's I would, <laughs> right. I
2: would go to Coachella, but
4: a lot of people say that they're going to do these things and they don't actually do them. Is my point. You sign up for these stupid things on Facebook, and you're like, "Oh yeah, Goachella, Oh yeah, Storming Area 51. These are going to be awesome things." And then when that date rolls around, you're like, mm, "I'm just going to stay home and eat wings." <laughs>
2: We'll come back and explain why some areas of Nevada could be overwhelmed when it comes to the end of September. Gary and Shannon will continue. Allie Johnson sitting in for Shannon. in Shannon. Allie Johnson sitting in for Shannon. Fantastic concert, by the way. Mumford and Sons. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Saw them in Nashville in April, and they're going to be here, Bank of California Stadium on Saturday night.
4: That, I bet that was cool seeing them in, in Nashville.
2: Incredible. First time in Nashville. Absolutely incredible. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but don't go see them. See the Alt <laughs> summer camp on Saturday.
4: <laughs> but. Now that Shit. i plugged that joke, no. go to this one.
2: Uh, of Monsters and Men will be there. Walk the Moon, Group Love, Cold War Kids at the Alt Summer Camp on Saturday. You can buy tickets at axs.com. Solid lineup. That is a pretty good... You you said you've interviewed all of them?
4: Yeah, I've met and interviewed all of them.
2: <laughs> Name dropper. <laughs> hey.
4: I was not dropping names off know, the air, and then right. you brought I, it onto the air. I made you do it but, on the air. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I planted that seed in your brain.
2: Uh, we were talking all very nice
4: people, and the girl from Monsters of Men. Her favorite American snack is candy corns. I do know that about oh, her really? as well. Yes, that's an
2: odd thing for someone to like from yeah, outside she's of like this
4: candy corns. <laughs> <laughs> so we brought her a bunch of candy corn before her show.
2: We were uh, we were talking about Area Fifty One and the. Uh, this stupid Facebook group of people, million people have responded. Please be more
4: specific.
2: Have responded to this internet post for calling for people to Naruto run at Area Fifty One because they can't catch us all, and let's see them aliens. <laughs> now, there's two things about this that I okay. First of all, when it first happened, we thought, "Oh, that's funny," but wait, seriously? No, they do have guns. Let's not forget. This is a military facility. They have very large guns, and I don't think a million people are going to show up. But if a hundred people show up, they
4: could be right—a problem.
2: They're going to—that's—that's bad. It's just bad. (laughs) The second thing is, for some for some reason, producer Victor actually tattooed the words "They can't stop all of us." Let's see them aliens on his chest.
4: Yeah, that he will not regret that in five years.
2: Why don't you also, while you're done, why don't you put a target somewhere below that, <laughs> so they have something to aim at when you shirtlessly run through the Nevada desert at three a.m. on s- uh, September twentieth?
4: This is one of those. It's like a horrible fashion trend that you can't believe that you were a part of, like five, ten years later, then you realize how ridiculous it all was.
2: Can I? I here's what I want. Uh, we we need a government agency. It doesn't even have to be government. We'll call it. Semi-government agency, something along the lines of Amtrak. And, it's, uh, and it goes like this. When stuff like this happens, if, if we get, let's say there's a million people that have signed up for this thing on Facebook. If I get a million and one to sign up on my semi-government agency Facebook page to find all of these people and slap them, <laughs> then we send out a team of people Whose sole job is to find these people and slap them.
4: See that I would like to see a live stream of
2: one right? million
4: sl- people slap another million people.
2: That doesn't even have to be. You could probably you could probably knock yeah. off twenty or thirty in a day, yeah. depending on how they you know where they're located and stuff. But it wouldn't be too hard to drive from one one place to the next. It's what like getting the, served. What if they're all willing to slap and be slapped, and you just put them in a big circle? And it's just like a yeah. like well, dominoes. Because I don't think that people would be... Warn- Victor, for example, who has signed up for this on the Facebook page and is already planning to make the drive. Would you be willing to slap someone who is as stupid as you? <laughs> you mean as smart as me?
4: Would you slap someone like you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yo, That was a very quick answer. Um, I just love slap-
4: how <laughs> you'd go up to someone and just be like, you! You stop."
2: Does it you bother it right you now. that the Air Force has already put out statements that suggest any attempt to illegally access the area is highly discouraged? Does the the hiding of knowledge bother you, Gary? No, wow. I see now. This is one of those moments when and you're doing an interview you. and you go, "Oh. He's not working I with a full deck." You know what, Victor? We're going to let you go on your way. Thanks for taking time for uh, for talking to us today. Have and, uh, so
4: much fun yeah. in Area 51. We
2: wish you the best of luck.
4: You know, you do it for the gram, Gary.
2: <laughs> you do, huh? Yeah. Okay. No. You
4: do it for the t-shirt.
2: I don't think he does it for the t-shirt. He doesn't do it for the Instagram. He does it because he's not healthy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. He just
4: wants answers. <laughs> People need answers. We got to see them aliens. Let's
2: see them aliens. All right, uh, you're going to come back tomorrow, right?
4: Um, yes, I'll okay. be here.
2: You don't have to wander around the hallways like you did today. You could just come straight.
4: Well, to it's the a evening. very confusing building, Gary. I tried as hard as I could. <laughs> I think I got here about 15 minutes before you saw me. <laughs>
2: that would have been. There was a security call that went out. There's <laughs> a woman.
4: randomly Run into
2: a woman r- walking wandering down the hallways. Uh, all right, uh, Johnny Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Listen, ladies, it's been real and it's been fun. But has it been real fun? Mm-mm. Nope. Gary and Shannon.